What is going on, Badger fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Badgers. We got Brian Smith jumping on, talking about the two recent commits since he was last on, the two Dylans, Johnson and Jones. We're going to talk about that. Plus, what does he think of Fickle's first class up to this point? We're going to get into all that and more on today's Locked On Badgers with Brian Smith. Let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Lockdown Badgers, your team every day. I'm your host, Ryan Herrings, as always. Really do appreciate everybody tuning in. And listen, it's a Brian Smith show, which means I'm not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into it. Uh, but first, today's show is brought to you by our new friends um, over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn is rejoining our network for this year. LinkedIn is the college recruiting sponsor across the Lockdown Podcast Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. Uh, let's get Brian Smith on here. Let's talk some recruiting. Uh, Brian, what's going on, my friend? It's almost football season. It's the last two weeks, what I call them, the, the two weeks of hell. As things slow down, but uh, it's still the beginning of the storm, too. So be careful what you what you ask for. Right. Be careful what you wish for, as always. But listen, Badger fans, that's a great segue. We've been wishing for offensive weapons. Let's talk Dylan Jones. Uh, big four-star. Like, we we – we're, we were um, we talked on a previous show after Dupree committed, Darian Dupree, and we talked about Atuka, and we kind of said, I know we very briefly mentioned they may not be done, but this is a good running back class. To add Dylan Jones into this, was that surprising to you to see them be able to add another weapon into that group? Well, I had a bunch of questions, and they're not the, the easiest politically, but like, are you really going to take three or is somebody decommitting? Like three's a lot mm-hmm. in today's era. But there's the other side of that, and you say, well, are they planning to use one of them in the slot or do something different? Is one of them going to have a different kind of role? I don't know. But they're going to run spread offense. So, you know, positionless football, we're about as close to that as you can get. Like Dylan, just for example, he's a natural running back. He played Alabama, in my opinion, no problem. Thing of it is, how do you use him, and do you use him in two-back sets? Are you going to run a lot of stuff with a two backs with one in the slot? Until I know all that, I'm not sure how it works together. I just know they got three good running backs in this class. Is is this, and we talked about this on one of our shows too, is this just the new norm? You stack talent and you just go into it knowing down the road, it's very possible, if not likely, someone's going to transfer. Especially at the quarter, there, there's two conversations here. At quarterback, you just don't give and you know what anymore. Because kids at that spot are going to leave because only one guy plays. And kids have zero patience. Like the easiest example, and I use it all the time, is Ohio State. Do you think at the end of this year, whatever their room looks like for Ryan Day, it's going to be the same? Is there anything Ryan Day can do about it? No. Why? He's a hell of a quarterback coach, but he's only playing one guy. And whichever quarterback he starts is going to have another year of eligibility. These kids don't wait. So especially there, it's different. Running back is unique, though, because what I opened with, slot. Do they play DB? Do they move to receiver? You know, there's all kinds of things. Quarterbacks are quarterbacks, usually. There's some exceptions. But I think Wisconsin's obviously in need of running backs where they wouldn't get three, and they're probably going to use a a unique situation. When Carolina was good a couple years ago, they used two running backs, Mm -hmm. constantly rotated them, and they had a couple other kids waiting in the wings. Can you get kids to be patient, though? Every kid's different. If they leave, they leave. You just keep recruiting. Running back in particular, 
the difference between like a five-star kid and a four-star is pretty small. DN, D tackle corner, the difference can be, and that's why they're coveted. The difference, and there's fewer of them, et cetera, it's humongous. That's why they're coveted so much. But especially at running back, you just throw mud at a wall, man. Somebody leaves, they leave. I almost wondered, too, I was thinking about this. We've seen in the news a lot, Jonathan Taylor, running backs, Barkley, not getting the contracts, getting frustrated by it. There might is there do you think going to be a bit of a push for running backs to, to get less carries in college? Like they're they're gonna look more long term. Like, is it such a bad thing? Like, let me rephrase that. Do running backs even want to be the bell cow anymore, or is this a better situation for them? I've actually talked to a couple guys that I'll leave their names out. It's better. These these schools, like my my stat choice is CFB stats. It's free for anybody out oh, there who wants to it's yep. incredible. You can go within 30 seconds if you know how to get to the site. If you're an NFL GM or just the, the bottom-end totem pole guy on the scouting room, let's go see how many carries he had in college. And you know that they've got an algorithm. If you got to this point, this is how long you like. You, they're looking for durability. It's the really touchy question because of all the hand injury crap they get sued with in the NFL. But at the same time, I had a coach literally tell me about a month ago, he goes, Brian, your biggest asset is your durability, period. And the end of the conversation was right there. If you're not playing, they don't care about you. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't. So if like Alabama took two great running backs last year, and I said that was really smart for those kids to play together. Somebody, what are you talking about? I don't want them to, you know, I know one of them. Like, why would he want to go get the crap kicked out of him in the SEC West? Rotate guys, take fewer hits. You know how talented he is. You have fewer times that he's been banged on before he goes to the NFL. It's the same thing with some of the Wisconsin guys, but they got beat up more. They didn't have as much depth. It would have been better for them to not have like Clement, some of these guys not carry as much, probably would have helped their NFL careers. But, you know, it, some kids still want to be the bell cow, and it depends on the coach and all that. So um, Michigan, look at them last year. At the end of the year, their stud running back banged up. They bring in – they have another guy. Hell, they still go to the playoff. They – they knock off Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You need more than one running back, man. You need more than one. I could take a whole segment on this, and I, I'm tempted to ask one more question because we haven't even got into Dylan Jones and his film quite yet. But I always thought this, like, so Melvin Gordon's a great example of a guy. He had 350-something carries his last year before he went to the draft. Jonathan Taylor's a guy who three straight years was a bell cow. But he he, he was he stayed healthy, though. It, is there there's an element to durability where they've they've shown they can stay healthy, right? I mean, it feels like you almost get punished for showing you can stay healthy and getting more carries. It to me, it's always been a weird kind of dichotomy there. They do numbers, man. Yeah, they do metrics. Some guys are just super that way. Like um, Emmett Smith is the greatest example of all time. Obviously, he got hurt once when he was at the University of Florida, missed part of like his sophomore year or something. He never had like another major injury that he was out an extended period of time. The rest, I mean, that's insane. How do you project that? And he was playing on turf for the Cowboys, Philadelphia turf, New York Giants, etc. Those guys you take in the algorithm and you throw them in the trash. You can't project that for anybody. So I uh, forget the kid's name, but a few years ago, Georgia had the guy that was so good. He ends up with the Rams. He's like all pro. Two years later, he's out of football. It right. just it's super hard. And they were running two backs like Kirby. I mean, Georgia has depth everywhere, but they had multiple guys. It's just freaking hard. It only takes one hit to the side of the knee and it's over, bro. That's why you need multiple running backs. And I, 
I know that some of the teams back in the day, Woody Hayes used to do this, et cetera. You take three or four backs, bring them in. And then if, you know, if they're truly a good athlete, they can play DN or they can play mm -hmm. receiver, whatever. It just depends how big they are. You move them around, take the best athlete and you figure it out. You see a lot of teams take quarterbacks that are athlete guys, same concept. I got a feeling that one of these guys will end up playing for Wisconsin, but not necessarily always at running back beyond that. It'll take care of itself. No, that's well said in terms of just stacking depth and it'll take care of itself and running backs being great athletes, positional flexibility there, yep. um, which ties into the air raid, right? It ties into the system Longo's bringing. There's more flexibility, more space. Um, I want to take a quick second. We're going to get into our friends of the show, come back. We're going to continue talking about Dylan Jones, also get into Dylan Johnson. Easy to mix those two up with the similar names. We get into both those recruits next uh, with Brian Smith on today's Locked On Badgers. But we do want to take a quick second, as I said, for our friends of the show over at LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash college. And these days, every new potential hire, listen, it's tough to hire new people. It's tough. It's a risk. It's hard to do. It feels like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you've got to be 100 percent certain you have to have access to the best candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for the right team faster and free. And it's something, listen, I've used it for my professional career. Listen, I think Luke Fickle maybe dived into LinkedIn jobs to fill out his coaching staff. All the best candidates are there. I've used it to increase my uh, my presence in terms of just the IT folks that I interact with and just keeping that network alive. LinkedIn is great for that. Even if you're not actively searching, keeping your network alive is an incredibly valuable tool. Um, please go, go check it out. Um, connect with people. Increase your marketability. Simple tools, screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Um, it's why small businesses continue to rate LinkedIn Jobs, number one, delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions to apply. All right, let's get uh, Brian back on. I do want to say thank you again for everybody tuning in. Uh, Brian, let's keep this conversation Dylan Jones going. We haven't even really – that was a great first segment, and I could just talk about football like that for 30 minutes, but I do want to get into Dylan Jones, the film. Uh, you put out a quick tweet, which I retweeted in terms of what he is, but uh, what do you see on film when we talk about this a little bit more with Dylan? First off, it's vision. He's got some pretty good speed and all that, but the most important – times you hear like 40 60 100 whatever the most important speed for running back is the five and you're like what it's the first five yards you're four to seven yards in the backfield getting to the line and when you're at the line making a decision when to burst right left whatever he's as fluid and natural as you're going to get he's just a natural running back kids like that tend to stick around and play a lot of football because he's going to be consistent there's nothing worse than the home run guy that also gets you two yards, two yards, two yards. They drive coaches crazy. He's going to be the guy that when the other team has proper run fits, instead of second and nine, it's second and six. He finds a way to grind it out. Wisconsin's famous for that, by the way. I mean, teams knew the Badgers were going to run the ball. And, yeah, they had great linemen, but the running backs also maximized. Sometimes a guy misses a block. Sometimes the other team has a good blitz. Can you at least get to the line of scrimmage and take an, instead of taking a three-yard loss? He's the guy that'll make the first guy miss by being smart, using good vision, and then just consistency with how he runs. He's very fluid. And man, he, he hits the gear when he gets to that linebacker level, makes a shift, and it's immediate. He hits high gear, and that's how you win. He, he makes it look really easy at times, and I almost wonder if yeah. – um, you know, that, that's a good thing. I mean that as a compliment, but I almost wonder because his highlights are sometimes not quite as flashy as other running backs if people overlook yeah, it a little yeah. bit. 
it's just smooth, brother. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, you know, people go to an ice cream shop and they look at all the stuff. I still usually get chocolate. It, it, it never goes out of style. It's just my favorite, my favorite flavor. It's not rock, you know, it's not rocket science. He's that guy. And he's going to get faster and all that. He's He's got pretty good size, but I bet he's 210, 212 as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And he'll be a completely different body. And they've always had good strength programs there. So he'll be just fine in that regard. The only question I have with him is, again, like I said in the first segment, are they going to use him with the other guys? How are they going to do it? I'm curious to see if Longo really mixes up his scheme or adds anything. It's interesting when a coach does all this stuff that he's done. I mean, North Carolina also had Drake May. That's look, that's not a rocket science adventure. You throw the ball. I'm just going to stand over here. But when they were good, they had guys that could run the ball. And when they could do that, they also threw to the backs, except they used them in a lot of ways. I want to see what they do with Dylan because I think he could be a really good running back out of the backfield. How much stock do you put in a high school film when you when you see them running maybe a high school offense similar to what they're going to run in college? Most of Dylan's clips, he's in the he's in the, the backfield or running some type of shotgun. He's taking handoffs from that position. Does that translate well, or is that not something you pay a lot of attention to? It's helpful. Uh, the only time I pay attention to it is, and I know I'll probably get text messages about this, I open-endedly despise the triple option with every fiber of my being. You're not on the Nebraska running, show. You'll be okay. Oh, God. <laughs> um, when I see a kid in the wing tee in high school, it's usually one of two things or a combination. It's an old-school coach that's always one with it, and he probably didn't have the dudes that some of the other schools in his area had. And then randomly, he gets that dude. But he's so damn stubborn, he won't put him in the eye and toss him the ball. I hate that guy. It's impossible to grade their film because none of it is transferable. It's just not. But he's used to the shotgun and all that stuff. But he's such a natural athlete. Like, he could have played football for his senior year, and he could have at least got to the FCS level. He's just a great athlete. I think he would adjust. And if you put Dylan at safety, he'd be fine. He'd figure it out. Like, again, he's a natural athlete, and he has a penchant for physicality. That's the final point. Safety, you better have some because you you got to thump people. He's okay with it either way. A really balanced all-around running back. Isn't going to matter if he's in the shotgun in high school, the eye, split back. He'll figure it out. How would you stack him up to Darian Dupree, the other – the other highly rated uh, prospect in this class for the Badgers at running back. They're actually very similar. I just think Dylan's got more speed and that's why he's ranked higher. That's right. it. It's at the end of the day, a seven yard run that turns into a 70 yard run is, is important. That's <laughs> that's is it, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why when I go to these camps and all this stuff, every coach, I know they got to stop. They got to stop watch. Speed, speed kills. It matters. You know, it's just that, that element of the game that you can break something open if it's even if it's blocked well. Um, 100%. I want to talk. Let's let's talk Dylan Johnson here, because if there's been two themes that we've talked about consistently on this show, it's upgrade <laughs> on the edges. Right. Cornerback uh, receiver and then get defense alignment. Um, the Badgers mm-hmm. do take advantage of the, the turmoil at Northwestern. They flip Dylan Johnson, somebody they've been in on. What are I think he's a really interesting prospect because he carries 290 really well already. He's a great wrestler. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dylan Johnson? I think he's a kid that was probably overlooked a little bit. I had a, a buddy of mine who I really respect. He's been watching film and stuff for 35, 40 years. He said, ah, he's okay. And I said, dude, he, he's got pretty good technique and he plays really hard. I bet you 
he could play at a major power five school and do something. And, and like right after he committed to Wisconsin or whatever, I said, I bet he's going to end up starting there. I'm not saying he's going to be an incredible player, but you can't teach 285, 290. He plays with pad level, goes at it hard. He changed direction. He's not a burner for a big guy. I know that sounds kind of weird, but certain guys you're just like, holy cow, he shot out of a cannon. He's not that, but in short area, he's a, he's an impactful player and he kind of fits what you would have thought of 10, 15 years ago at Wisconsin. They always had a nose guard that was super annoying and it could get up the field. And, you know, they've changed their defense a few times, but this kid in a one gap scheme is nasty. I'm curious to see if he can play some two gap and be consistent with, I don't know, but he's already close to 290. So it's possible. <laughs> is he a guy that you can put uh, just uh, in front of the center, maybe even a zero tag, and just have him control that middle portion of, of a run game. <laughs> well, that's what I'm talking about. It's that's hard, bro. It's the rarest of the rare. There's in college football coming out of high school, there are five to ten kids a year that can do that. Mm-hmm. That's just grown man strength. Um, to put it in perspective, there's a kid in Georgia that's raw. But because of his size, he was 390, and he's lost the weight. He's like 350. Georgia and Florida battled for him, even though he has like no technique. He can't teach size. They both want a zero technique. He committed to Florida, and Georgia's still recruiting it. There's only a handful of those guys. Right. The size is impossible to find. So he might be able to, but I wouldn't guarantee it. What's When we talk about defense line recruiting, because, again, we've done this a ton now, and Hank Weber's on board, Dylan Johnson's on board, does this – where these feel like when you talk to people, when you, when you talk to fans, it feels like high floor guys. And I hate saying that cause I don't want to, it, that sounds like a backhanded compliment, but what does this do for Wisconsin's defensive line room and where do they still need to go? He's a guy that you can use as a starter at some point. He's not an impact guy necessarily. You and I have talked about a number of times, like what do you have to do to get to the playoff and all that? Well, here's a stat for you that is, even for me, and I'm a stat nerd, Bud Elliott's a buddy of mine, and he's CBS 247, and he does that uh, recruiting, forget the rankings thing. It's it's very popular. And he added a stat on one of his podcasts that I listened to. He said over like the last three, four years, the average for the team that won the title, on their two deep, they had seven guys that ended up in the first round of the draft. I mean, for the love of mankind, that. It's just pure talent. I mean, it sounds like the only thing you got to do is recruit. That's not true. But at some point, um, you've got to hit on some higher percentage guys, too. Whereas Wisconsin in that, this this is where it gets very murky. And I don't like this, but I think at some point they're going to have to make some business decisions here. Can you go out and get one transfer a year, edge, corner, or D-tackle? Those are the three spots. That is a game changer. You're probably not going to beat Georgia for D-linemen. I'm just going to throw that out there. If you look at, there's about five to seven schools that get all the D linemen that everybody wants. It's just true. So how do you overcome that? Transfers, red shirt, um, and you obviously got to make sure you develop. You're not going to necessarily kill Georgia or somebody like that with just good players like this kid, but he could be in your rotation. He might even be your starter, but he may not play 50 snaps against Georgia. He might play 35, next guy plays 30. There's different ways to get it done. Right. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's, in, it's an interesting discussion uh, in terms of what the Badgers have done, getting numbers, starting to get numbers on the defensive line, but is it the right type of numbers? Uh, Liam Andrews is committing pretty soon, but most people tend to think Penn State's getting him, unfortunately, it's for Badger great. fans. Um, we're going to take a, one more quick break, continue talking to Brian Smith, uh, A, about defensive line recruiting, but also about what he thinks of Fickle's first full class up to this point. We're going to come back and talk about that on today's episode of Lockdown Badgers with Brian Smith. But first, a quick break for our friends of the show. On uh, a quick second, to just say thank you again for tuning in and helping to make this one of the, in my opinion, the best Badger communities out there. So thank you for that. Let's get Brian back on and let's just finish up this conversation. And Brian, always better when you're here, man. Tons of great feedback as always. People, thank people you. no nonsense takes. I well, I'm not very shy. Um, <laughs> that's probably why I'm single. I just tell it like it is. That doesn't usually work real well for my dating life, but it works for football. So that's no. why I'm here. We like it, man. We we enjoy it. I think we're smarter because of it. Um, when you when you zoom out a little bit and look at this is Luke Fickle's first full year. He came in last year and obviously kind of cobbled together and was in the transfer portal. But what do you think of what they've done in their first full year up to this point? Unique. Um, I'm a traditionalist, open-endedly admit it. And while I think it's great that Wisconsin has always been able to bludgeon their way to nine wins and sometimes more, some of my buddies and myself always joke like, we'll pull up a ranking, let's say two, four, seven. And there'll be 10 kids in Wisconsin that the Badgers have offered. One or two will be receiver DB or whatever. And this is no BS. That kid there is ranked higher and they're coveted and all that. But where I live, there's three of them in my county, not in my state. For them to take that next step, they had to kind of get outside the Midwest more and consistently recruit Florida, Texas, California, D.C., you know, that's where Dylan Jones from, et cetera. You have to do that. And you got to find a way to win those ugly out of state, long distance recruiting battles. You're not going to the playoff with Wisconsin and Chicago kids alone. You're not. So they've done well in Ohio to a certain degree and PA, but they started getting kids out of Texas. They're getting, they're in on some kids in Florida and stuff. It's a long-term process. This state where I live, Florida is a whole nother animal. Texas, I think they'll have more, more juice with, if you will, long-term but they're starting to get kids because of who they brought in on their staff. They're, he's smart. He didn't just bring guys that could coach. They had connections in some other places. You don't get Dylan Jones out of Maryland without knowing somebody. This is a who I know business. And I, I talk to coaches all the time. I go to this certain high school every year, even if he ain't got a dude, because that coach will tell me where the dudes are. Right. It's, it's who you know. And if, you, if, if you're a jerk, you go to that coach, you think he's going to tell you? <laughs> Trust me, a lot of high school coaches will lead guys astray. <laughs> Happily to do so. Happy to do but, it. I love that. Um, it's, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world, bro. And, and that's where, to your point, Luke Fickle coming in, not just building a, a staff full of, that have relationships, but he also has a national notoriety having been to the playoffs. That, that has to open some doors that, no disrespect to Paul Christ or Jim Leonard, but they just didn't have that type of cachet probably. It's true. Do you think Kirby Smart fails to mention that he's been to the playoffs and won a title with any kid he doesn't end home with? Why would he? So I mean, sometimes it's just blunt like that. And he can say, well, well Kirby did it with Georgia. I could do it with Georgia, too. So can my dead grandmother, by the way. It's not real hard <laughs> to recruit there. I did it at freaking Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a program that many times has been just Holy cow, have they been terrible? I mean, it's unbelievable what he did there. And they lined up and did the exact same thing every game. Like they were no nonsense, 
this is who we are. Similar to Wisconsin, it's probably why they wanted him, and they just out-executed people. I think that now he can say, Big Ten, Power Five, we're going to get some more kids that we wouldn't anyway. If we can get you to come to, like a Texas kid, an Atlanta kid, whatever, yearly, you could see them in the top ten consistently. And, and no offense, but more legitimately. And what I mean by that is, I say it every time I'm on your podcast, where are the corners, where are the pass rushers? That's not the kids they normally get. I'm talking about dudes out of high school. When they walk on the field, they'd fit in at Alabama or Georgia. Checkbox, bro. You got to have those kids. I bet you he's going to get some of them because it's a great evaluator and he's got some cachet, like you said. Well, and you're talking about like an Emilio Agard, right? In his first yeah. year landing that, that quarterback. He's that kid didn't get the final ranking he deserved because he didn't get a lot bigger. But like his freshman year of high school, some people thought he was like the best player in the country. He just didn't get a lot bigger. But his technique and speed and all that are great. And they got a couple other kids, Dylan being one, like they can play at Alabama or Clemson or Florida State, whatever, and be just fine. Now, again, it's about stacking those. Like if you can get to the point where you have top 20 classes for a couple of years, and then you can, and this is something I'm still trying to figure out how to work it in, but not just good transfers. Let's say Wisconsin takes four transfers after this season. But one of them's an elite quarterback. Is he worth one scholarship or is he worth 10? Right. Like quarterback, I, I say this to some of my buddies, it's garbage. The recruiting rankings are out there because if you've got a five-star quarterback, his ranking is the same as a five-star safety or guard. Really? Right. They're not. It's, like quarterback recruiting is one third of your recruiting conservatively. I know people don't want to hear that, but show me where you want a title or made it to the playoff without a good quarterback. There has been one. So Wisconsin needs to hit there and they've got to hit a corner and DN more often. And all of a sudden with their development, I mean, he's proven that he can develop. It's not a question. He did it at Cincinnati. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. They're not and even the, power five. And the gap is going to get even bigger with the big 10 and the SEC. Yeah, there there's more resources flowing into those things than Middle Eastern oil countries. Like they are going to, I mean, I, I don't know what we, this is in a what happens to the rest of college football discussion, but recruiting is going to get there's, easier in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten and the SEC. The money, I don't have any idea. Like I've never been to Wisconsin. I'd like to see the game. I see a game there, but I'd be more interested to do a tour of the campus and the football facilities because, like, the SEC is built around the football. I mean, it's there's schools, but. It's different. I'm not saying Wisconsin's going to be that, but I have a feel the money they're getting is going to be dumb. Yeah. So it's uh, to your point, it's going to be hard not to get better than the other. It's just they're throwing money at things and everything's just incredible. That impresses 17 year olds. Well, and to your point, Wisconsin is actually in the midst of a, I think it's a $300 million athletic, oh, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> They're catching up because they they've actually laid even within the Big Ten they've laid it, there's Wisconsin for a long time has been we do more with less and it's been like a pride thing. Um, oh, don't get me started on that, bro. That don't work long term. No, and long it's time. it's worked in a way, but it's also limited the ceiling, right? It's, it's it's capped the ceiling a little bit. So Wisconsin is, I think, part of getting a Luke Fickle is is saying, okay, we have this money coming in, we're going to invest in the flagship program, and that is football. So there it is. I'm excited for it, man. Uh, Brian Smith, as always, thank you so much for joining. FB Scout underscore Florida. Go follow him. Uh, really do appreciate everybody tuning in. we got a bunch more content coming up. We try to get Brian on every week because uh, we are smarter for that. But a couple more high school coaches coming up this week to talk about Derek Jensen, uh, Emerson Mandel, 
Dylan Jones is a high school coach is coming up this week as well. So we're going to chop that up with all those guys. Um, so keep with us. Lots of content on Wisconsin and football is almost here. Let's go.